It is. It has been a real experience for me. I tell you, the uh, reading the first book is extraordinarily difficult, partly because I wrote a lot of very long sentences and I <laughs> literally run out of breath in the middle of a sentence and have to take a pause and take a breath and then edit it together right. so that it look, it, it, it sounds like it was all one breath. I have, have since learned, learned in my writing not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you now write for the narration aspect. Hey, readers and writers. Welcome to episode 122 of Read and Write. Today, my guest is Kevin G. Chapman, and we're talking about characters, specifically working with the same cast of characters over the course of a series. Kevin is the author of the Mike Stoneman thrillers, and his most recent novel, Fatal Infraction, is available now on Amazon. You can find him on Twitter at KG Chapman, or preferably on Facebook at the Mike Stoneman Thriller Group. Hi, Kevin. Last we spoke, you were Hi, working Deb. on the audiobook. <laughs> Last we spoke, you were working on the audiobook for Righteous Assassin. How's it going? I was, and I still am, and I'm four chapters away from finishing it up, which is making Ooh, me very nice. happy. How many chapters was it total? Uh, it's 55 chapters. Okay. And uh, so it's, so how uh, many it's, hours it's is getting that? there. <laughs> hours of narrating or, or hours when it's done? I'd say hours of, hours of narrating. How long has it taken? I would say it takes probably about uh, 30 hours of, uh, okay. of sitting in front of the microphone to, to, to finish doing all the narrating. And then I've got to do the editing of the right. audio tracks and then the mastering of the audio tracks. It's a it's a big job. I'd love to farm it out to somebody else, but I'm not quite at that point yet in my writing career where I hire other people to do my audio books. Mm, I hear you on that. And I, I don't know how hard it is for you to do the audiobook. I recently, um, when my co-host stepped away, I did like a filler episode of me reading like the first two chapters of my book. And that was hard. There were so many stops <laughs> and starts. It's like, how did I mean for that character to say that sentence? I forgot. It is. It has been a real experience for me. I tell you, the uh, reading the first book is extraordinarily difficult, partly because I wrote a lot of very long sentences and I <laughs> literally run out of breath in the middle of a sentence and have to take a pause and take a breath and then edit it together right. so that it look, it, it, it sounds like it was all one breath. I have, have since learned, learned in my writing not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you now write for the narration aspect. I do. I do. I truly do. I uh, I make sure that there's no sentence that I write that's longer than I can speak in one breath. That sounds smart, especially if you plan on doing your own audiobook. It's been a really good process for me to 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 narrate the own, my own audiobooks because it's first of all it's a great way to do your last proofread. True. You, you pick up the, all those little typos and 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 oddly mm -hmm. phrased sentences that when you have to speak them out loud, uh, you uh, you pick up on them, which is great. Yeah, that's actually also how I really... do some of my revision process is reading it out loud because then the cadence you pick it up like, oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> yes, it's a great it's a great tip for um for for proofreading and editing is to mm -hmm. is to do it out loud. So I've Especially heard that dialogue. a lot. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But it's it's hard to find the time uh, when you're mm -hmm. when you're editing to 
sit in front of a mirror or in front of a microphone and speak it out. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but doing the audiobook, you have to. Yeah, I've actually gotten into the, I don't know, the weird habit of when I write, I'm actually also talking out loud at the same time. I must drive my husband when he works from home nuts. Because <laughs> like we can clearly hear each other from opposite ends of the house. Our house is that small. But so I must like, he's on a meeting and I'm in the background just like, la da 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> over and over again so I find the right way the words go together. It works. It absolutely does. But yeah, you get to the other person in the house puts him headphones on and then he's fine. <laughs> um, do you do like different voices for the characters or you just read them all in your same voice? No, I actually do uh, uh, voice all the characters, um, which is another thing that has, if I had to do over again, there's a few things I would do differently. Um, one of them is that Mike, Mike Stoneman sounds like this. This is Mike Stoneman's voice, <laughs> which is great, except that it's kind of hard on my voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, if there's a long dialogue where Mike is talking a lot, my voice gets very scratchy. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean it's like a, little a hard to keep break up. until it comes back? Uh, more like overnight. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get through a certain number of chapters and then my voice will get to the point where it's too scratchy to keep going and I'll just stop for the evening and come back the next day. Mm -hmm. And Which works out actually okay because the what I what I usually do is I spend about an hour narrating. Mm -hmm. Then I stop and then I move myself upstairs uh, so that my wife doesn't have to be Anne Frank, as she, as she likes to say, and not move around the house to create <laughs> any noise on the narration. And then the I'll spend the next tip. two or three hours editing the uh, the tracks that I just finished narrating. And it takes mm -hmm. about three hours of editing to edit one hour of of uh, of, of narration. So okay. it, uh, that's my evening. One hour of narrating and three hours of editing. I was already to ask, so where do you do you stop writing during this period or do you, are you writing in the mornings? No, I'm I'm never writing while I'm narrating the book. It's there's just it's not enough time, and uh, too much my overlap. attention is, yeah, it's, it's too too fractured. Plus, I'm usually narrating the book when it's done. Mm -hmm. So I've just spent however many months it's been writing the book and editing the book, and now it's done, and now I sit down to do the the audio book. So the the writing process at that point, aside from just fixing typos, the mm -hmm. writing process is over. And I right. haven't really started writing the next book yet. Okay, that, that's what I, I assumed you were doing, like working on the next one while you're uh, while you're narrating the other one. Well, but, yeah, I can see where that that would be you'd hard, like especially to be. like yeah, <laughs> in an ideal world. In an ideal world, I'd like to be working on all three of my novels at the same time. That doesn't help. That doesn't sure. Work. <laughs> Actually, at the moment, I have I picked up a new planner, and my planner is like five like booked 5 30 in the morning all the way to like 9 p.m when recording gets done like every minute is accounted for and i'm like talking to my husband's like i literally need like four more hours to get all the work i need done in here and don't forget finding the time for marketing until then true uh i have post-it notes for that to remind me to do next month you got this because i haven't done it yet this month and then of course there's my day job so you know there's gotta be time for everything Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now my day job is four and five years old, so that's very filling of my time. It's a full-time job. Yes. My uh, four so and five-year-olds are now 28 and 27, so yeah. Cool. I, I get well, them. hey, they take care of themselves now. 
There's now, a light at sure. the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> did you intend for Mike Stoneman to be a series or did it just end up that way? Well, I, I think I always hoped uh, that it would be a series. Uh, it started off as a short story. And uh, that's how the, the character got born, was I, uh, I, I, I was in the middle of writing the great American novel, which I finished mm -hmm. in 2016. So this is now back in 2012. Okay. Uh, and uh, and my, uh, I'm, I'm a lawyer by day, and uh, the, the Bar Association ran a short story writing contest. And it had to be about crime or law. So I decided to take a break from the novel I was writing and, uh, and wrote a short story. Mm -hmm. And the uh, funny story about the short story is I wrote it and it was 8,000 words long. And then I found out that the, the competition was going to have a 5,000 word limit. <laughs> so I had to edit my 8,000 word story down to 5,000 words, which was probably a good oh. thing because it forced me to really edit hard. Mm -hmm. Be really concise. <laughs> but that's how I line. that's how I created the character. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta really got to really work at that editing. Um, so I wrote the short story. I liked the character, and then uh, when I finished the novel, and I was ready to go on to something different and something sort of more fun than than mm -hmm. what I had been writing, uh, I decided to go back to that character and and develop the story that was a whole novel for him for for Mike Stoneman, the the New York City right. cop. And, and I really enjoyed that process. I loved the characters that I created. I really liked the story. And I, I kind of knew halfway through the writing process that I was not going to be able to give up these characters because I liked them too much. Mm -hmm. And there was so much backstory that was still to be developed. And there was so many relationships that had to, had to go forward. And I, I knew when I finished the first book that there was going to be a second book. So the, at that point, you're committed. <laughs> How many books into the series are you now? Like, what number is this? Well, I'm, I'm just finishing the fifth book. Uh, so, okay. book four, uh, Fatal Infraction, is published. Book five, uh, which is called Perilous Gambit, is at my editor now, and I'm hoping to have it out before the end of the calendar year. Okay. And and that's the, that five books, the one, two, three, four, five. That kind of a pausing point and it, it there's a there's a lot of story arc that finishes or at least reaches a resolution at the end of book five okay at that point i'm going to take a little break and then kind of decide what i'm going to do next figure out if there's more to tell or if they're just they're they're done and settled well there's a lot more to tell it's just a question <laughs> of whether whether i've whether you I have want the energy to do it. and the and the uh, attitude yeah <laughs> whether i want to <laughs> if your voice can handle that many more audiobooks of Mike Stoneman. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, it's, as long as I space them out, it's fine. <laughs> so who is Mike Stoneman as a character? Like, well, at least how did he start out as a character? Like, what was he like? Well, he's uh, he, he's developed a lot. I mean, there's, he's changed a lot over the course of the mm -hmm. books. But Mike is uh, Mike is about 50 years old. He's just pushing 50 when uh, when when we meet him uh, at the beginning of book number one or or in the short story that's pre predecessor to book number one mm -hmm. he's a 20 plus year veteran of the force so he's been around the block um, he teaches classes to uh, to younger cops 
to to the younger detectives. He's a, he's a mentor to the to the younger to the younger kids. So he's kind of the the old guy in the in the room. But he's single, <laughs> never been married, a uh, little bit of a shlemiel. <laughs> he's he's a, it's a little bit. You know, he's not real smooth. He's not James Bond. He's 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 kind of an ordinary guy. He's a, there's a little bit of me in Mike, but Mike is very fictional. Uh, kind of a composite character that has a lot of different physical attributes and and uh, added uh, sort of um, psychological attributes that aren't aren't me at all. But which mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun putting together. How has he changed? Like, what's oh, Mike well. like in book five? Like, what's how's the arc <laughs> been for Mike? Well, there's there's two main arcs for Mike. The first is that in, in book one, he's paired up with a young black cop and they have some friction. Uh, the two of them have have some 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 problems getting along together. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of it is I don't want to say that Mike is a racist because he's not. But mm-hmm. but he had a little problem with 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 his partner Jason Dixon, who got promoted, and Mike didn't think that he deserved to get promoted. He thought it was affirmative action, and he got special treatment. And so Mike kind of tried to keep him in his place, and uh, okay. was a little tough on him. Mm-hmm. And over the course of book one, uh, they come to know each other better and respect mm-hmm. each other more. And then in book two, that continues and the relationship between the two of them uh, becomes really deeper and and more real and uh, they they really become friends as well as partners uh-huh. and and so that that relationship develops a lot okay uh, Jason teaches Mike a little bit about racism uh, that he didn't realize before. Uh, especially when we get to book four, which is about the murder of a black NFL quarterback, and uh, okay. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of a lot of race issues that come to the forefront in that story. So they they learn from each other. Mike learns from Jason as much as Jason learns from Mike as they go okay. uh, as they go along. That's good. It's always and then like the other big thing for Mike. Growth is oh. essential. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise readers doesn't... don't want to come back. <laughs> And the other thing that happens for Mike is that he's, he begins in book one a, uh, a romance with, uh, with a woman who is the county medical examiner, uh, Dr. Michelle McNeil. And he and Michelle are both single, and they have this sort of high school romance at the beginning where they're just, you know, because okay. neither, one, neither one of them is very suave and, and, uh, and sophisticated about relationships. Okay. I and can they see kind of, going, yeah get together and and you know in in a very halting way start this little romance and and that develops uh into book two and into book three and and forward all the way into book five and then along the way um jason picks up a girlfriend who's a friend of michelle's and so jason's (laughs) relationship with 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 his uh, girlfriend rachel and mike's relationship with michelle kind of go on parallel courses Mm-hmm. all the way through until the end of book five and so his romantic relationship as well as his relationship with his partner jason that's really the core of the the overall story arc that goes right. through the five books yeah i could i could see the uh you know just like i said character growth uh that is the basis for a series otherwise you're not 
I mean, yes, you have like the murders and the thriller, all that part, <laughs> part but they want, they're coming back for the main, for the characters. That's what the returning readers doing. Yes. I, I found that out really quickly. Uh, and I hadn't really focused on it as much as I probably should have when I was originally writing book one, mm-hmm. but uh, I had the experience at the end of book one where I published the book and I started getting feedback from, from readers and an amazing number of readers gave me the same bit of feedback, which was, first of all, what happened to Michelle? Is she okay? (laughs) Because there was a little, I didn't intend for there to be any cliffhanger at the end of book Mm -hmm. one, but there was a point at which Michelle was sort of in peril. And then she's rescued from the peril. And then we never hear from her again in the, in the story. Mm -hmm. And so people wanted to know what happened. You know, was she okay? Was she injured? Right. You know, it, and then the other question was, what's going to happen next between Mike and Michelle? Are they going <laughs> to, you know, what what's going to happen? Are they going to are they going to keep dating? And people were really interested in mm-hmm. in those two things, and that that really hit home for me. That yeah, okay, there was a story, and there was a serial killer, and it was very exciting, and we got to the end of the resolution mm-hmm. of that. But that's not what the readers are interested in. No. They want to know what's going to happen next between Mike and Michelle. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and that, at that point, the light bulb goes on over my head. And I say, okay, as I go forward with the next books, that's got to be the focus of the overarching story arc is what's mm-hmm. happening between those characters. And then each story has got its own plot, a plot, right. its, own, its own main right. plot. But that's, it's the subplot between the characters that really makes it work. Right. I think I read something a couple, it's about a couple years back now. Um, something about if there's a romantic subplot in any story, that's what's going to hook the reader because they're going to latch on to the emotional aspect, not necessarily the thrilling, dramatic up and down of the plot. If you put that romantic subplot in, the reader is most likely going to latch on to the emotional aspect of the story versus the actual physical part. Yeah, I, and listen, I, I've, I've read a lot that, of books. By the way, that was <clears throat> no, no, you got it right. It but I've I've read some books where where the, the the hero is in peril, and my attitude is, eh, I don't really care. I don't really care whether mm-hmm. this character lives or dies, right? Because I've got no person. emotional attachment to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I got to make my readers care about what's going to happen, and uh, otherwise, why are they why are they reading? Right. Otherwise, I thought you, you, a great little story. Yeah, <laughs> I have a, a guy who who was a beta reader for me uh-huh. um, into into the second book and and then from the second book into the third book. And, and it turned out he has his wife is a is a bigger reader than he is. I didn't know his wife, mm-hmm. but so so he gave the book to her for, for her to read. Just so I had two beta readers out of the deal instead of just one. Right. That's always nice. And and we, they got to to the end of book two and he tell he told me that his wife was really interested in what was going to happen in the relationship mm-hmm. between mike and michelle and i said well that's great so i gave them both the third book and he came back to me after they both had read the third book and we got together again the guy plays poker with me so we're uh-huh. we're, we're, we're sitting we're sitting in my basement before the poker game and he says to me beth and i just spent more more time talking to each other about the same subject 
than we ever did in 30 years of marriage when they were oh talking about the book. They, because awesome. they, they had spent hours talking about the characters uh-huh. in the book together. And it, uh, he said it was better than marriage counseling. It was great. <laughs> that had to feel great as an author to have someone come back and you influence, like your characters did that. That's obviously great. It was, it was, it was cool. It, was, it really made me feel good that, uh, that people were so invested in the characters that they would spend that kind of time talking to each other about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spend the time with my wife talking about it, but she's, that's she can't get though. away from it. it. So that's okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She has no choice anymore. We, we've actually spent, um, oh, I don't know, about a thousand hours since the beginning of the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. walking around the block we we have a very long large circle that our that our house is on so about takes us about mm-hmm. 20 minutes to walk one time around the circle okay and we do that at least twice a day when the weather is good mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of time talking about the books talking about the characters talking about the uh the subplots my my wife is very much into the b plots very much into the the character plots and so mm-hmm. she tells me what's working and what's not working and She's she's very invested in the characters. And so we spend a lot of time talking about that, which is great for us, too. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that your spouse is so into it. Yeah, she doesn't care about the kills. She doesn't care about the murders. <laughs> she doesn't care about the cop drama. She's she doesn't there care for the about emotional the investment. That's it. She just wants to know who's sleeping with whom and who's uh, who, who's in love with whom and whether so whether what, Jason got Rachel a nice ring or not, and yeah, it's a. <laughs> so, what's the most drastic change one of, I don't know, Mike or someone else has undergone? Oh wow, um, Mike is the, the character who has probably changed the most and grown mm-hmm. the most over the course of the series, which makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, main he's, character is the main character. <laughs> um, you know, Jason, his partner, probably has a better backstory and mm-hmm. and has more going on in his life, and and you know, right. he's younger, so he's he's going through a little bit of a um, crisis of wondering whether he wants to be Mike. You know, he's he's thirty, mm-hmm. Mike is fifty, and and he's looking at Mike, and he looks at Mike's life and the you know what he's what he's gone through in his career, and he got to age fifty and he was single. And uh, didn't want to be married because didn't want to have to deal with having a wife who was going to worry about whether he was going to get killed every day when he went to work. And, you know, where was he when he was out on a stakeout or working 24 hours a day on a case? And 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 Jason, after he meets Rachel and starts to become a little bit serious with Rachel, he has to decide, do I want to be a cop? for my whole life? Do I want to be okay. Mike Stoneman 30, 20 years from now? Right. Uh, or do I want something else out of my, out of my career and out of my life? And mm-hmm. uh, what if we get married? What if we have children? Do I want to be in this life as a cop with a family? So he's got to like go a very through human all decision. of that. <laughs> yeah. And Rachel is an EMT. So she also is kind of in the public service or you know emergency mm-hmm. services she deals with crises crises all the time um but still the two of them have to decide what do they what do they want out of life what's going to happen to them mm-hmm. and so they going through all of that with mike kind of as the uh, uh i don't know about the voice of reason but the voice of experience uh-huh. uh, 
they 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 go through a lot um there was one scene that i wrote that's actually in book two where mike and jason are both going through kind of a crisis uh separately and and mike takes jason back to his apartment and breaks out the good bottle of scotch and they have a a heart to heart uh and Mm -hmm. and mike tells him some things that he had never told him before and 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 they have like a little man to man discussion about tough subjects uh-huh. uh which, which 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 I now call the scotch scene and uh <laughs> and I I took that scene out of the audio audio book and and put it up on my website and it's there as kind of a uh a sample track uh mm-hmm. the scotch scene from book 2 and those are fun things to write about you know w- what would happen Jason is going through a really tough time. Mike is going through a different, really tough time. And they have to get together and be honest with each other. And two guys talking to each other are never open up and be emotional and and, and right. un- honest about their feelings. So that was that was a great scene to write. <laughs> but I, that was also the hardest scene to narrate because it was, mm-hmm. you know, 20 minutes of Mike talking. Again, I've been talking to Jason and it was very emotional. And uh, <laughs> it was hard to get through that. <laughs> was that like three days worth? No, that was like a day. Uh, but okay. usually I'll get through three or four chapters in a day. That mm-hmm. was one chapter in uh, in a day. And it, that was that was a tough one. <laughs> then the voice was done. The voice is done at the end of that one. Jason's mo- voice is a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. What does Jason's voice sound like? Jason Jason's voice is deep and baritone and sounds like this. That's very easy, actually, on the vocal cords. Actually, well, for, I don't know. For me, who has a higher register, that sounds like that would be difficult. <laughs> well, for you, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I read my kids' books, and sometimes I do try to do the voices. I'm terrible at it, but sometimes I try to do it. And if I try to do like the deep voice, it's like, Ooh, that hurts. Like my throat is just not like, for me, it's doing the female voices. That's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> Maybe you should bring your wife in to do the female voices for you. Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> not happening. Was there an unexpected? She's, she's a consultant. She's not a. She's not a. She's not a, uh, a participant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the most, or did you have an unexpected change, like something you like you were just writing and it just happened and it was just like wow, I didn't expect it to happen. Did anything with the characters happen like that? Not with the main the main characters. Um, mm-hmm. I've got the plots pretty much mapped out for each book I, I i really i'm a i'm a compulsive outliner so by the time i get ready to start writing i've got a very very detailed outline of every scene that's going to happen in the book up to the end wow. i always want to make sure i, I have I the a end envious. done before i start mm-hmm. i've tried doing it and <laughs> yeah, if i don't know miserably. where the end where it's ending i can't start yeah um, uh-huh. we we did have a lot of fun though with one minor character um because there was a there was a character in the first book who was the widow of one of the victims of the killer. Mm-hmm. And so Mike and Jason go and they have a they have an interview with her as they're tracing what has happened in this in this uh, serial killer's spree. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the, the guy's name was Nick DeVito. So his his wife was uh, Helene DeVito. So Mrs. Mrs. DeVito. And she was a Jersey housewife uh, and uh, had a fun voice. And and I wrote the scene and it was kind of a nothing scene. And my wife read it and she said, oh, this is a character. You need to make her over the top. You know, she needs to be uh-huh. uh, like, uh, like uh, the, 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 what was the name of the actress from My Cousin Vinny? Um. <laughs> Fran Drescher? No, Fran Drescher. Well, like a Fran Drescher kind of character, right? She's got to have the big accent yeah. and she's got to be over twice. the top yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, so, so my wife really liked uh, Mrs. DeVito. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so she decided that Mrs. DeVito should be a recurring character. So every book, in every book, Mrs. DeVito shows up. That's amazing. Uh, in, and sometimes in a very unlikely you know, set of circumstances. And so every book has a scene where Mrs. DeVito is there. And uh, in book three, she actually plays a pretty important role uh, mm-hmm. in, in helping solve the crime. But in every book, she's there. And so she was a character that when I first wrote that scene with the two cops interviewing the widow of the dead mm-hmm. guy, it was just, you know, one step in the criminal investigation. It was it was necessary and she was going to give them some information that would become important later in the investigation. But I never had a concept of her as an important character or a character who would ever appear again in any other book. But my mm-hmm. wife recognized her as somebody who would be fun and who could come back right. and, and, and be like a little cameo in every book. And so it worked out that way. And it's been tremendously fun for me writing it. And now for my readers, as they start each book, okay, when's Mrs. DeVito going to show up? She's going to be there somewhere. Just waiting for that to happen. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So how many, how many, uh, I guess, would you call the main characters? How many do you have now running through this series? Your major characters well, there's, that you have to keep yeah, track there, of. Yeah, there's four main, really four main characters. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's Mike and and Michelle, uh, mm-hmm. and then Jason Dixon, Mike's partner, and his his uh, his love interest, uh, right. Rachel Robinson. Mm-hmm. So the four of them, it really Rachel didn't really show up as a major character until book three. So okay. it was really the three for the first two books, and then starting with book three, Rachel is very important. And stays very important through book four and 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 into book five, and is vitally important in book five. <laughs> in book five, they end up uh, well. Her Rachel's family becomes an issue. We we, we meet members of Rachel's family, and there's a whole family okay. dynamic there, which is which is uh, which is interesting. So those four really are the core, um, and then there are the other cops in the in the precinct who show up in every book. Mike and Jason's captain. Uh, Sullivan and uh, two other detectives, Berkowitz and Mason, who are there, sort of the other team of homicide detectives who work with them in the in the uh, in the precinct on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So they they're always around in uh, mm-hmm. in the books in minor in minor roles. And there's one or two other characters that have uh, have have shown up from time to time, but the four are really the the, the four main ones. And then of course okay. each story has its own its own principles that are involved in the murder is there's mm-hmm. whoever was right. the is the killer or the, the people involved and then the 
the, the, the surrounding characters that are there just for one book and then never see again. Mm-hmm. Those how are fun are to write, the- too, because you have to come up with that. <laughs> this is true. Uh, how are you keeping them all straight? Like, what's your method for character sheets and organization for that? <laughs> well, I a have a Bible. <laughs> there is okay. a method. There is a method. Um, I, I have a, a Bible that is the sort of the master character sheet for each character. Mm-hmm. That that lists their attributes, and you know, whenever something happens that's important in each book, I try to go back to the master Bible and then add that, so I can remember that. Okay, okay. in book right. two, we found out that Jason has a brother who lives in Maryland, and okay, we mm-hmm. got to make sure we we remember that. Right. So, uh, and you know, we, where did where did Michelle go to school? Where did she go to med school? What happened? Mm-hmm. After? So there's a you know there's a whole backstory for each character that I try to keep straight. In a uh, in a master document that I don't update as frequently as I should, uh, and because you know you you want to go on to the next story, you don't want to mm-hmm. spend a lot of time going back and cataloging what happened in the last right. story. Until you need you know, to know hard part, what age they were when they something happened, and then you have to you know, read back through and figure out where it was, and then you put it in the master document. At least that's what I do. Right. Well, that's a good. That's good. I mean, Mike Mike had his fiftieth birthday on the cruise ship when they were on a cruise in book three. The whole, all of book three takes place on a cruise from New York to okay. Bermuda. And so Mike has his 50th birthday on the cruise. And that's a little crisis, not a crisis, but you know, anytime mm-hmm. a guy turns 50, it's kind of a big event in his life. So I can remember, okay, we know how old Mike is. He turned 50 on the cruise ship. So <laughs> what, and, and uh, the timeline for the whole series starts in the summer of 2018 and okay. book five ends in January of 2020. So there's about 18 months. Uh, and that's the whole timeline between okay. book one and the end of book five. So the characters haven't aged a lot right. over the, over so, the span yeah. of the five books, which is helpful. <laughs> yeah. It's a fast moving set. That's always fun to read as a reader. That's always fun that, Oh, this happens three months after the last book I just read or something like that. That's always fun for me. Yeah, I like doing that uh, because it, it, there's continuity to the storyline and continuity to the characters, particularly mm-hmm. once I've gotten the couples together. Okay, well, if, if, if three months or four months or five months have passed, well, what happened to the relationship right. into that, you know, during that period of time? Yeah. So I was book, just about ready to say, two, like, then you don't have to come up with these, like, months of backstory that you didn't cover in the books. <laughs> Exactly. So, so book, book two ends and there's a, there's a shootout at a, at a hotel in Brooklyn. And immediately after that, the police commissioner tells Mike and Jason that they need to make themselves scarce because they don't want them to be interviewed by the, by the, by the media. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to get out of town because this is a, this is a problem and it's a little bit of a scandal and we don't want you hanging around. So I had them and their girlfriends book a cruise and so they got on a cruise ship and for the next week they're on a cruise to bermuda and so the whole book all of book three takes place in one week on the cruise ship Mm -hmm. and as soon as they get back from the cruise the next case that they get when they get home is the case that is the murder of the quarterback in fatal infraction so we go right into the next story immediately after they get off the cruise ship so there's a lot of a lot of continuity there in the uh, in the storylines, which is which is good for me. <laughs> or Mike Stone goes on vacation and finds a murder. 
Of course he does. I mean, you know, when, <laughs> when Agatha Christie went on vacation, yeah. what happened to her? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. I was when Sherlock Holmes took a vacation. She wrote in my head. <laughs> exactly. Whenever, Wherever whenever the protagonist goes, a in a in a murder mystery, right? <laughs> <laughs> they can't go anywhere without dead bodies showing up. <laughs> What's the most fun? Otherwise, who would read? Until then. True. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if they just went on a cruise and nothing happened with a like with a murder, then your readers are gonna be like, "What? This isn't what I said." <laughs> Why am I reading this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about Mike going in the swimming pool. No. <laughs> well, that was actually one of the most fun things I had was was writing about the cruise ship because mm -hmm. my wife and I are big cruisers. We we've been on a mm -hmm. lot of cruises, so this was an opportunity, particularly in the middle of COVID when there right. was no cruising to write a book that was all about being on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the murder that was going on, you got to, you got to experience the characters trying desperately to enjoy themselves on the cruise ship <laughs> while right. being distracted by the fact that, you know, this, this woman got, well, the, 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 they make friends with this woman. She ends up going over the balcony of her stateroom and she's dead. So the okay. question is, did she commit suicide or did somebody toss her over the edge? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that becomes the mystery on the on the ship. But all throughout the book, I get to write about what it's like to be on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. And they get to Bermuda and we love Bermuda. It's our favorite place in the world. So I got to write a little bit about being on the island and, and oh, being nice. in Bermuda. I got to write mm -hmm. about the Frog and Onion pub. And I got to write about <laughs> swimming with the dolphins at the Dolphin Quest. And it was fun. So it's that was, it was like going on vacation myself. Right, exactly. <laughs> I even got to put some actual people in the in those books who were real people that we met on cruise ships. Oh yeah, uh, some, like some members of the ship's crew. or employees, yeah. Some of the crew, some of the passengers. Uh, there's a, there was a, a, um, uh, a cabin attendant on the on the on the on the mythical cruise ship called the Colossus of the Ocean, who was mm -hmm. a terrible cabin attendant, <laughs> and and she was. This is my my attempt to get back at Elizabeth, the terrible cabin attendant that my <laughs> wife and I had on one cruise. All cabin attendants on cruise ships are wonderful, except for Elizabeth. She was awful. She was the worst cabin attendant. So I put her into my book. She was Elizabeth, the terrible cabin attendant. That's funny. <laughs> it's it's the classic, uh, like the author cup coffee cup that says like, don't make me mad or I'll kill you in my next novel. <laughs> no, you mentioned small characters. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I, I have a lot of buddies and friends and, and acquaintances who end up whose names get used as mm -hmm. minor characters in, in the books because there, there are a hundred characters that show up for one scene and mm -hmm. they have to have a name because it just doesn't make sense to write the scene and nobody ever knows what their name is. Right. So you have to come up with names. And so rather than randomly coming up with names, I, I use a lot of names of people I know. So I'll tell somebody, I'm going to use your name in my next book. Is that OK? <laughs> and they say, sure, I'd love to see my name in your next book. And then it turns out that the, 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 the character with that name is a criminal or is a bad guy or gets <laughs> killed or, you know, Do they get I offended? said, listen, I didn't promise you that they'd be, you know, that they'd be a star. <laughs> I just, just going to use your name. 
yeah, one I of them was use... a hooker. And it's like, what? You used, you used my name as a hooker. <laughs> Not you. I think I must... It's just your name. I think I must use my husband in like a hundred different characters. Like just sometimes like the little quirks or something he just tiny bit does. But he's in like almost everybody I write, I swear. Just a little piece of him. <laughs> just as long as he doesn't know. Oh, no, I, I tell him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm writing about this grandma and then she picks up her spoon the same way you pick up your spoon. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, he's he's in like every character in a hundred different ways. That's you draw the trade off to on whatever you can writer. draw. on. Right. <laughs> if your friends are living with a writer, you have to understand that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I do have to keep my wife out of it. She wants nothing. She, she doesn't want anybody to see a character and think it's her. So I, I try oh, to yeah. avoid that. Hmm. I don't know if I could do that. She's just so ingrained in me. Like he's the <laughs> adult I see the most. But it is it is a fun process, but it's sometimes a frustrating process to mm -hmm. try to come up with characters that are not exactly like a character that you already created for a different book. Uh, when mm -hmm. you're going through a series, you can't always have the same people um, or, or, or people who look the same or think the same or sound the same. And uh, it, it's, it's hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you're running through a lot of characters in your style of book, in, the, in that thriller style. It feels like you're <laughs> running through a lot of little names and quirks and just people you have to create who are only there for a sentence or two. Yeah, I mean, but even even the larger characters who are there for a book, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who's either the victim or a, or a relative of the victim or the killer or some peripheral character, the the, mm -hmm. the there's a character in the book who's a who's a, a, a newspaper reporter he has okay. a little recurring role he'll come back again mm -hmm. um in in fatal infraction there was a female sports reporter who who plays a very important role in in uh, tracking down the murder and infiltrating the information in the football team and uh i have a, a an acquaintance who's a female sports reporter and mm -hmm. so I, I i convinced her to let me kind of borrow her and and some experiences that she's actually been through in life and okay. a little bit of sexual harassment uh which mm -hmm. uh, which unfortunately is comes along with being a female sports reporter mm, I could see so that, that made it into the book and so mm -hmm. she her character is a little bit of a conglomerate of her and another person and that was really interesting for me going through writing a female character who is both important and intelligent but also mm -hmm vulnerable and and gets harassed a bit and and so it's uh it's it's kind of tricky um, mm -hmm. but that's fun it's fun as a writer to be able to try to work something into a plot that's i don't want to say important that that's self-aggrandizing but it it's something <laughs> that's not just escapism fiction but is is actually has a little bit of of meaning to it mm -hmm. now since you modeled it partially off of your friend did you let her read the scenes that she was in or did she just kind of give you carte blanche oh no 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 i had her i had her specifically read everything because i wanted her to help me make it authentic and uh, okay. to, to let me give me some clues about what i was getting right and what i was not getting right mm. because i'm not a female um <laughs> And I, I, you know, it's hard. Uh, uh, I also had characters in this book who were black and who were 
experiencing racism. And so I, I found a couple of, of, uh, of people who were, who were a lot closer to that than I could ever be to read it mm-hmm. and to give me feedback and to tell me what sounded right and what sounded like a caricature or, or a stereotype right. so that I could try to get that out and, and, mm-hmm. and make the story a little more um, realistic. realistic. And, yeah. and also I'm you know, worried about being sensitive and not saying things, you know, I'm a white guy. And I'm writing about a black character who's experiencing racism. I got to be careful because it's not going to sound good if if I get it wrong. So I tried to get some people to help me help me uh, read that and be what I've now come to understand. The term is called sensitivity readers. Okay. well, I guess it's important, especially right now. It's it's very important to make sure everything is authentic. And you don't want to fall into the stereotype pit at all, because readers don't like that. No, I'm I'm having the same problem now in book five, in that um, the the there's a murder of a of a drag performer in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and there's a whole list of reasons why I've I, I I chose to make the setting a drag show in Las Vegas, but now I have to make sure that I get that right. And mm-hmm. you know, trying to research and and get the dialogue and get the even the pronouns. You know, what pronoun right. do you use for a man who's dressed in drag? And and it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's whatever he it's wants not to be easy. called. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've come to understand that the 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 general protocol seems to be that when you are dressed as a woman, you're a woman. And you're mm-hmm. you're a she, and you you know you, you you it's fine to refer to yourself and to and for other people to refer to you in the feminine, um, but then when you're not in drag, obviously you're you're not a woman, you're you're a man, and so you're a he, and mm-hmm. and all of these little things um, are are important, but they can be very tricky, and so I've been trying to find people who are in the community who can read the scenes right. and tell me. What I'm getting right and what I'm not getting right. Make sure right. you're going down because I don't right offend path. anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to be you wanted to be real about story structure. Until then. Well, I mean, as real as as needed for the for the story. I mean, it's fiction, right? I mean, you know, somebody's getting killed and somebody's being mm-hmm. arrested and 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 uh, falsely accused of the crime. Okay, it's fiction, but you want the details to be at least authentic enough that somebody who knows the details can read it and not be offended, not offended necessarily, but put off by it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lawyer and I hate it when I read stories that have depictions of legal issues that where the author gets it wrong and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the law doesn't work that way, or this right. would never happen in a courtroom. And uh, that drives <laughs> me crazy. So I right. want to make sure that I get it as right as I can get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just ask me right just pick up the phone call me and i'll tell you well all our listeners now will just email you or tweet tweet you on something like hey i need help this is that not is your fine job. right you know if there's a writer out there who's writing about a lawyer and needs some consult on making sure the law is right i'm happy to, for them to contact me i'm totally good with that mm. oh i'm 100 putting you in my book for help if i need legal advice on writing (laughs) you'll hear from me in like eight months time like hey i'm writing a scene does this sound right i'm i'm very easy to find my website (laughs) is kevingchapman.com 
So you want to find me, you can find me. Mm-hmm. It's something I'm actually, it's really weird because I'm often am trying to reach out to other authors. I see an author right. who's, you know, writing something and I want to reach out to them and, and make contact and maybe try to do some cross promotion with them or, or just, you know, bounce an idea or say hi. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing number of writers who you can't find. Their, you know, their, their, their contact information is not available. They right, have a website the that has no, no contact like link. There's no email mm-hmm. address. They, they've got a Facebook page, but no, no contact information on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I don't know if I, I can't imagine a, a writer who doesn't want the readers to be able to find them. Right. Maybe Especially, when you're so big and you're so, you, know, you don't want it, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. And I hesitate to say, but maybe they're a bit more old school and they're not quite up with, I don't know, the new way of getting out there and getting your face in front of other people and stuff like that. Or at least your voice in this case. Maybe. Maybe it's a pen name, too. I suppose if it's not if it's not a real person, it's just a pseudonym, right. then there's no, no contact information. <laughs> All right. We are coming up on our hour mark, and I have one important question to ask you. What is your writing excuse today? Why are you not writing? I've got two excuses. One is that I'm I'm narrating today, and and it's <laughs> it's hard true. to do both. But the other thing is that my 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 current book is at the editor, and so I have to take a pause because mm-hmm. if I do any writing while the manuscript is at the editor, then when I get the manuscript back from her, I have to reconcile her version oh, against a different I version see that and happening. Yeah. that is too much work <laughs> too much work <laughs> what if what if she doesn't like something and then you have to rewrite everything you just did i could that that would be bad it would be heartbreaking yeah. <laughs> soul crushing we have a good relationship though uh we have a real good relationship she's my daughter um oh. uh, my editor is my daughter who happens to be a, a terrific freelance editor uh, and not because I'm a writer. Just, she did that on her own. And mm-hmm. so I give her my stuff to edit and she's great. Uh, so, so that, that works out, but it's nice to be able to take a break from the book for two or three weeks while she's editing it. And I can just mm-hmm. not think about it. Uh-huh. And I'm not working on book six yet because I'm not sure there's going to be a book six in this series. So I'm, I'm going to, going to wait on that. Sorry, I'm, I'm definitely not going to write any stories that take place during COVID. I just I don't want to write a story about a detective. You don't want depressing interviewing a witness wearing a mask. You know, it's just no. I just don't want to do uh-huh. it. It's bad enough. It's reality right now. Nobody actually wants to read about it either. No, no. As it was, I had to put a disclaimer on book number three, which is called Lethal Voyage. And on the cover of the book, there's a cruise ship. And there's a, a knife blade that with blood dripping off of it coming down uh-huh. from the top of the book. So right. when you look at the cover, you should know this book is not about COVID on a cruise ship. It's not about right. a contagion. It's not about a viral outbreak. It's about a, a, a murder. Right. But, you know, I have to make sure I tell people that because you think lethal <laughs> voyage. Oh, no, it's a story about people getting sick on a cruise ship. That's no, true. it's not. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my husband and I, we used to cruise every once in a while. And I'm just, I'm not sure if we're going to go back at this point. I need some time away from it. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to get back on a ship. I got to tell you. Um... <laughs> there is this ni- nice atmosphere in a cruise ship. But as it was, even before COVID, like, 
uh, I was always like, oh, sanitize my hands. I don't want to touch anything. I don't just, maybe that was me, but I was just like, oh my God, all these people, all these germs, who didn't wash their hands after going to the bathroom? As they they say on the ship, washy, 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 (laughs) everywhere you go, hand sanitizer. That was even before COVID. I know. You couldn't go into the dining room without sanitizing your hands three times. Exactly. Good. Good thing. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think, readers and writers? What's your writing excuse today? Let me know on Twitter at RNW Podcast or on Instagram at Read and Write Podcast. And as usual, if you're interested in anything we mentioned, you can always find it in the show notes on readandwritepodcast.com. And don't forget, you can find Kevin on Twitter at KG Chapman or he prefers on Facebook at the Mike Stoneman Thriller Group. Join me next time when I want to talk to Carrie Flanagan and Chuck Harrelson about co-authoring. Until then, keep reading, keep writing, and go do what you do best. You got this. Read and Write Podcast is edited and produced by Deborah Zebarth. Theme music was written and performed by Jay Hunger. Audio effects were created by Red Octopus and Black River Phonogram. Show notes and previous episodes can be found at readandwritepodcast.com. Special thanks to Kevin G. Chapman and all the subscribers who make this podcast possible. And that's it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, read, and write on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, drop me a line. I'm always open to suggestions. Also, did you know that Read and Write publishes three episodes a week? Check out the podcast's YouTube channel for Write With Me Monday's live streams and 30-second book reviews on Fridays.